You're listening to The Kelly Cotrera Show. Thanks so much for being here. Appreciate your time. I remember when Chris Creston, the producer of the show, moved from right beside the gardener uh, out to Creston Manors in suburbia. And I asked him, wow, are you uh, loving the silence when you sleep? And he said, no, I can't sleep. It's horrible. I need my noise back. It's just it's keeping me up all this quiet. And that really is uh, the trade-off when you move uh, to the burbs from the city. You don't hear that noise all night. There are some people that think that the city needs to be a lot quieter. In fact, uh, noise bylaw amendments are going to be discussed at the Economic and Committee Development Community uh, meeting next week. And they are looking at, you know, tweaking the rules a bit. These rules are in place to balance the damage of excessive loud sounds, which are damaging to your health and vibrations uh, with realities and pleasures of living in the city, like nightlife. Here to talk about it, Ingrid Boudet of No More Noise Toronto. Welcome to the show, Ingrid. Great to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. So there are going to be some changes. Um, some will have uh, a bit of an effect. I know that some people are upset that waste collection will be allowed to continue overnight. It's been the case since uh, 2022, and this ensures that municipal and private services can operate as needed in a way that basically uh, minimizes potential health and safety impacts and, and deals with congestion, not adding to it in the day. Um, but what major changes are you hoping for when the uh, committee looks at the bylaws? Well, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on the show. Noise is a is a very personal issue, and many people have different personal relationships to sound, which, if it's harmful or unwanted, creates noise. And so, the the noise bylaws are they encompass many different things. There's construction, amplified sound, motor vehicles, and general noise, which is beepers and sirens and um, leaf blowers fall under that category. So they're they're individual things that I would like to see within each one of those. But overall, what seems what I'm running into the most is that people are tired of reporting and not having enough enforcement or that the reporting process doesn't work for them. And so there's a lot of apathy out there because people have contacted 311. And for example, with Amplified Sound, they can come within five days of that complaint. Well, wait a minute. When you say Amplified Sound, what is that? So that can be anything from um, large events, let's say, but those are often better regulated. What um, what people are complaining to me about is uh, based when you have outdoor patios and um, outdoor restaurants or when the sound is basically transmitted um, into their residences at night. And so I was on a balcony. I have I take measurements from people's balconies and somebody lives close to like a Fox and John's. Uh, restaurant and they actually turned up the volume at 11 o'clock at night and so their enforcement process for that is that the person makes a complaint well within five days the bylaw officer returns well is it still noisy and they have to return at the same time with the complaint so Hmm. the person is not only suffering they are then intruded upon twice by bylaw officers to try and get another measurement but i mean how can you take a measurement if it's if it's finished right Exactly. That seems ridiculous. And so do, yeah. do, by, do, do bylaw um, enforcement officers not work at night? They, they, only work till five two, situ- they only, I'm sorry, they only work till 2 a.m. in the morning. Okay. So, and how many bylaw officers do we have dealing with uh, noise complaints? Do you know? My understanding is 24. For the whole city of Toronto? Correct. And that's a new thing. They, they, they brought those in in 2019. So that's new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems a little bit ridiculous. So how would you like the complaint service to change? 
Well, so they call 311. When you log a complaint with 311, it's called a service request. And it is used for everything from missed Christmas tree pickups, broken garbage can lids, graffiti, um, dead animals, and noise complaints. And noise complaints are not stationary. They're not something that's, that it stays put in, in some cases, like a broken garbage can lid. So what I'd like to see, actually, as I've been thinking through this more and more, is that the noise complaints should actually be a separate process. Um, because they're not a service request, they are actually a request for help because yeah. people are suffering from noise. And so it shouldn't be bucketed in the same process as a broken garbage can lid. Okay, so you'd like to see a new uh, three-digit number that people call and get directly through to bylaw, and then I would imagine they'd kind of triage the complaints. Um, I'm not sure if it needs to be a different number. So I've worked in IT and with process workflows, and you can call 311, but if it's a three, if it's a noise complaint, then that should have a different workflow. Then that's where the branch should be. Mm-hmm. And that's where and um, that's where it should have a different process. The other thing is with moving vehicles, the city can't do anything with moving vehicles yet, according to the data that I've collected from crowdsourced, is that moving vehicles are the number one complaint. And if the city can't do anything about it, then maybe those complaints should go directly to Toronto Police Services who can do something about it. Right. And the city can't do anything about it because they can't stop a moving vehicle. Is that correct? A bylaw officer, only a police officer can. Hundred percent. And even when the bylaw, my understanding is that even when the bylaw officer shows up at the house that maybe is a stationary moving complaint, they cannot compel that person to um, start their vehicle for testing. Interesting. So uh, why wouldn't we just call the cops with something like this? It, it seems ridiculous. It, it is certainly a runaround and the apathy out there, the frustration out there, the pain that's out there is real. You're going to love me because I actually, we bought a house around Dufferin and St. Clair, the first house we bought, and we moved 16 months later because as soon as we moved in, I realized that the revving of the engines was going to continue all the time, night and day. There were, uh, it, yep. it's some, sometimes they were so loud, I kid you not, through uh, a porch that was screened in, so two outer, outer walls, I could have a cup of water on an ottoman and I would see Jurassic Park rings in my water glass and I thought... <laughs> I don't think I can deal with this because I'm going to say something and I don't have no idea um, if they're going to take it politely or not. Absolutely. And I listened to your opening monologue there. And, you know, noise is such a local thing. So even in the suburbs, those streets are made like highways and you have people racing along them, whether it's Morningside or Victoria Park or Eglinton across the city. So it's very localized and it's actually spread throughout the city. It's just downtown. We have noise canyons and it's worse. And there's more yeah. people impact. And the noise canyons comes from uh, when you have high rise together. It basically just bounces off the walls. It becomes like a giant uh, echo chamber uh, in the downtown core. Everybody has the right to a reasonable right to um, quiet, I believe, in the city bylaw. A good night's sleep. I think we're all a little bit stressed and a little kind of fraying at the edges is kind of how I say it. And if we all knew that we could have a good night's sleep, then maybe we'd have a little bit more empathy for other things. And just to be clear, I'm all for a good party and the right. and the amplified sound for nightclubs, but let's still make sure that they can have a good business, but we can still have a good sleep. Yeah, it's about being good neighbors. Um, what about this idea that the city's renewed a request for the province to uh, use uh, the ability to use noise-activated cameras like those in New York? How do you have you looked into those, and do you know how they uh, they work? 
Yeah, I actually was in contact with the manufacturer of those uh, cameras, and I'm hoping to educate people on it because I think education is a big part of the um, noise uh, movement, let's say. And uh, yeah, you know what? Like the police can't be everywhere. And yeah. the in in New York, the city owns those police those, those noise cameras, and they are the technology is is not anymore in the pilot stage. They are ticketing on them, and apparently, all of those tickets that they've delivered in New York have held up in court. So they can tell the vehicle. Go ahead. We're speaking with Ingrid Boudet. I was just going to tell people who you were of uh, No More Noise Toronto. So they they can the police immediately know who uh, has, uh, I guess, been created the noise infraction. Is that what you're saying? Well, what it happens is that the uh, the cam the the microphones pick up the sound, the camera takes the picture, it zooms in on the license plate, and then that goes to a data processing center. So that's where there's a it's not the police notified immediately. There's mm-hmm. a processing that goes along with that data that then they will act upon. How do you, how does that the the camera know? I mean, because you said you looked into this, this extensively. How do how do these cameras know which car is making all the noise if you're in a situation where you've got some serious congestion congestion going on yeah well when when cars are congested um they generally don't make a lot of noise it's generally off the light where they've suddenly started to go they have a bit of room to speed Mm-hmm. Um, but the technology is advanced and, and that's just the thing. I was watching a demo and it was amazing. They were able to put a little red dot on the car that, that works or that, that was, um, that made the noise. Plus the other thing is, is maybe we don't put it on four lane arterials. How about an exit ramp off a highway where there's usually only one lane, um, right. or an entrance ramp onto a highway. There are solutions around it. It's just, we need the political will and we need the province to come along and participate and give us what we need in order to make all of this happen. And how uh, how amenable do you think the province is to to giving uh, Toronto the ability to put in this this kind of uh, technology, which could be, I would imagine, pricey. It's pricey, but apparently in New York, they made the the cost for the system back in a month. They also have higher fines hmm. than we do. So I need to put that waiver in there. What are um, our fines? You know, sorry. What are our fines? Our fines are $110 uh, provincially under the under the um, Highway Traffic Act for improper muffler and $500 for under the city for making unnecessary noise. Okay. And I don't think enough of those tickets are being handed out. No, they're not. And, they're, and that's the thing is that right now there's this whole kind of conjecture between Toronto Police Services because they can stop the car and the city because they have the sound level meters. So it's really complicated. And to me... Um, a really simple solution would be that when they already have a ride program and they've stopped the car, then why not have one person do the breathalyzer and then have the others look at the muffler and either tuck it, tick it under the Highway Traffic Act under 75.1, where that's visually available, or have the city bylaw officers available and test the vehicle right there if there's any question. Because it makes sense, Ingrid. That's why. Uh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time. And thank you. I really appreciate being on your show and having the opportunity to share.